All right. And we are live on Backseat Carpool Banter. I'm your host, Sam Krujikov. In today's episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Jonathan Silber. And as always, a very special guest, Brian Oranger, the former head video coordinator of the Washington Wizards, as well as scout for the Toronto Raptors and Atlanta Hawks. Make sure to stick around to listen to all of our stories and great conversations. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to Carpool Banter. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure having you on, Brian. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, so I, I saw you were a video coordinator for Washington Wizards, and I, I was really interested into what exactly you do as a video coordinator and what goes into it behind the scenes that people, casual fans maybe don't see. Take us into how that was like for you. Yeah, I tell people the, the video coordinator title is almost a misnomer. You know, it, I, if I could, it, it's almost like uh, I would call it like director of game planning. You know, the, you really don't hold a video camera at all. A lot of people think you're like a video videographer or something. You know, what, what you're really doing is working with the coaches on all the game plan preparation. You're in every coach's meeting. You know, you're, you're watching all the opponent film, all of our own film, you know, when we're scouting ourselves. Uh, you're on the court for every practice, helping out with player development. So, you know, it's a position that Eric Spolster, Frank Vogel, Mike Boonholzer, all those guys started in. And, you know, I tell people it's like getting an MBA in basketball. You're really just living and breathing the game every second of the day. And uh, you get to be really hands-on and learn a tremendous amount about the game. Yeah, and I'm actually really happy that you mentioned uh, some of those head coaches that started in the position because we're big Heat fans here, so we know the Eric Spolster story um, from start to finish. And he used the the video coordinator position as kind of a stepping stone uh, to get into the head coaching position, and now he is a multiple-time champion. So is uh, coaching in your future, do you think? No, so, you know, I, I definitely toyed with that and, and initially, you know, had aspirations of, of maybe doing something like that, but ultimately you know after i did the season of advanced scouting actually for the the hawks and raptors that's when uh bud left the hawks and Dwayne casey after winning coach of the year got got fired by the raptors so uh you know i kind of just realized that the industry is so unstable you know coaches mm-hmm. get fired every every few years you know if, if you want to really do it you have to be willing to move at the drop of a hat every mm-hmm. every couple of years all around the country and i just decided i didn't want to you know that lifestyle i didn't want to do that to my family so that's why i i'm on the media side now and i intend to uh to stick on the media side yeah, yeah what was that about by the way with Dwayne casey winning coach of the year and not being with the team the year after what, what was that all about uh you know i i think he he definitely had you know, some shortcomings in the playoffs, obviously, uh, going against LeBron James had a, had a lot to do with it. But, you know, they, they got swept, I think, had a couple of really bad losses mm-hmm. in that series. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to see him back in the league. And, you know, Detroit's competing hard, playing hard every night. But, yeah, it just shows you how, how ridiculously tough the industry is when you can win Coach of the Year and get fired the, the same season. Yeah, that, that's kind of crazy to think about somebody actually winning Coach of the Year and then getting fired. But I, I was interested in the differences between scouting, because you said you scouted for the Raptors and the Hawks as well, and, and video coordinating. So w- what did you do as a scout? Because we, we got a little bit of the video coordinator side, 
But as a scout, what, what is that like? Yeah, so what I did for those two teams, I, I was a, a regional advanced scout. Uh, and so advanced scouting is uh, its almost like you're a spy for, for getting the play calls. You know, you're obviously, you get a credential, you sit right on press row. But like, you know, if, if we were going to play the Celtics soon, I'd go watch the Celtics play and just watch Brad Stevens all game. And, you know, if at 10 minutes he called horn twist, nine minutes he called thumb down five, you're just really getting all the play calls and um you know you'd think anybody could do that i mean you guys you know if you sat on press row and just listened all game i'm sure you could probably pick up a few of the calls but obviously what i did as a video coordinator really really helped prepare me for that you know because like i said you're you're very involved with the the game plan stuff in the video room you do a lot of the uh the play calls so i was really familiar with that for my six years in the in the film room in dc and that really prepared me well to go out on the road and, you know, go to uh, 50 or 60 or so games that season, uh, getting play calls for the Hawks and the Raptors. Yeah. So Sam and my, my one of the other co-hosts, Ben, spoke with Tony Fiorentino. He was a color commentator for the Miami Heat for a very mm -hmm. long time. And he was back in the inaugural season for Miami and he was a coach. But back then, the coaches were kind of like scouts. They would go to the game and, and the game that the Heat played the next Day or something like that he would kind of get like a, a cheat sheet of information about that team and what's going on but obviously there's been so many advances since then can you talk about what you do from like a reporting it to the team wise like how does that process go because you obviously take notes on on everything to try and help the team get in a better position to win yeah, well, it's funny, actually, you know, the first thing you said about uh, the coaches actually like doing the scouting, uh, you know, I think that was the way it was a long time ago, but it's also ironically, probably the way it's, it's going right now with COVID, you know, I think a ton of teams have obviously cut back and, you know, not been able to have people travel and be on the road. So I know coaches mm -hmm. are having to step up and, and do a lot of that stuff. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. I mean, generally speaking, I, you know, I, I would send a uh, send the team post game just the call sheet which is literally just an excel document with uh again you know all the play calls but when i was with the wizards you know like i said i did more of the, the hands-on game planning stuff there and you know that's when you you look at all the analytics you watch you know film until your eyes are ready to fall out um you know you just pour over every detail you can kind of get your hands on and you know obviously mm -hmm. the analytics have uh have gotten more and more each season have gotten to an incredible incredible pl uh, place and those are all you know part of the puzzle but at the end of the day you know like I said basketball is a, a simple game at its core and so it's really just about knowing the game understanding exactly what you're watching and uh, obviously that all goes into uh, trying to put together a, a good game plan that can you know help your team win yeah and so you're sitting down with the coaches and in the coaching room right talking about the what you found on video what you found in the scouting report uh but what about with the players you have uh hands-on one-on-one time with the players as well yeah you know uh like i said i was on the court for every practice um you know you definitely build relationships uh with those guys over the years uh you know i definitely uh had a pretty good relationship with with john wall with bradley beal um, mm. You know, we were lucky enough to have some awesome vets in D.C. Paul Pierce for a season. Um, oh, the shot in the playoffs. Yeah, I, <laughs> I called game. Uh, that was all. He was the best leader I, I've ever been around. So, yeah, you, you get to, you know, like I said, I, I traveled with the team. So they all obviously, uh, 
you know, it's a, it's like a family. It's a family environment, and that's probably the part I miss the most. You know, to be honest, is uh, is feeling like you're part of that every day, and, and um, you know, being with a group that really uh, has a common goal, obviously, and thankfully had some uh, had some success uh, while I was there, even though they've fallen apart kind of the uh, the last couple of years. So, do you have any favorite stories with uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal, any of the the franchise players for Washington during the time that you were there? Uh, yeah, John, definitely. <laughs> There's a few about John that I've told before, but I'll give you one quickly. Um, you know, back when, like, four or five years ago, or I, mm-hmm. I guess my first couple of years with the Wizards, we were really bad. You know, it was kind of the rebuilding years still after uh, Andre Blotch and Nick Young and JaVale mm-hmm. McGee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember post-game, John was sitting in his locker, kind of uh, – tuning out Randy Whitman was kind of muttering under his breath was not really paying attention and Mech Okafor kind of you know snapped at him pay attention you know get your shit together um <laughs> and uh you know John snapped back at Emeka who then uh threatened to stuff John in the locker and they had to be you know physically separated <laughs> and things uh really escalated so yeah you know but it's funny John kind of uh, considers that the the turning point in his career, ironically enough, you know, he, that was a huge turning point in the season. And sometimes, you know, you need things like that. You need a, a healthy dose of, uh, of conflict to, uh, you know, to turn the team around sometimes. So yeah, you know, John was great. Brad, you know, was always the first in the gym, last to leave. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Pierce, uh, one quick with him. Uh, we had like an undrafted free agent kid from, uh, from army, come in one day to play like pickup in the off season and he had LeBron's on his feet. Um, and Paul, can I, am I allowed to curse? Is that okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're good. Okay. Yeah. Paul basically goes up to him and says, get that shit off your feet right now. And the kid, <laughs> kid looks at him like, what are you talking about? These are the only shoes I have. And he literally made him go up to the equipment guy, get a brand new pair of shoes. Cause that's how much he hated, uh, hated LeBron at the time. and just would not allow him to wear those shoes. Uh, in our building so yeah you definitely see some interesting things and have some good stories for sure I actually went to the playoff game I believe in in 2012 uh, the Eastern Conference Finals the the Heat versus the Celtics where the Heat won in advance to the finals and Paul Pierce was playing a phenomenal series and I I was able to watch the most intense game Um, you have any cool like playoff stories like that like favorite game maybe um the i called game one is is probably the the pinnacle that's probably the peak i mean you know we definitely had some amazing battles i mean the first year with with brooks is when we lost um to the celtics in in seven games in the second round the isaiah thomas celtics when he was scoring like 50 every game and you know that was just an amazing series and heartbreaking uh one to lose but uh yeah you know my time there we uh you know i think we beat tibbs's bowls like four to one in the first round we we swept the uh kc raptors uh, you know a team i think it was like the four or five series so it was supposed to be really even and we we kicked their ass the first couple games in toronto and, and swept them which was which was awesome so yeah definitely a few good moments but i think you know paul's buzzer beater and then john john also had i think in game six against boston in that series i think he hit the a shot at the buzzer uh, to win and then, you know, got up on the scores table and all that. So that was, uh, oh, yeah. that was an awesome moment too. Yeah. And you, you kind of mentioned there that you were sort of facing 
old teams of yours, right, in regular season playoff matchups, what was that like going from one team to the next and then having to uh, match up and you know, scout against them or game plan against them when you were part of the team for a little while? Yeah, so the Wizards were first. So I was with them, you know, for, for six years. And then my last year in the NBA is when I did both the Hawks uh, and Raptors. So actually, mm-hmm. it kind of happened in that season. When I when I did that for the Raptors that season, they ended up playing the Wizards uh, in the playoffs. So I actually mm-hmm. did, uh, you know, kind of advise the Raptors on everything I knew about the Wizards and what mm-hmm. I thought their weaknesses were. And uh, I think they won that series 4-2 or something. So I guess... I guess I did all right, but uh, yeah, definitely an interesting dynamic of of the NBA is you know obviously a lot of a lot of coaches move around, a lot of scouts move around, and uh, you know you have to go against the teams that they maybe worked for for ten years. So it's uh, it's never easy, and, and definitely was was odd, you know, telling the Raptors, okay, here's here's every weakness of uh, you know Bradley Beal's game that I could think of. <laughs> Speaking of Bradley Beal, he is leading the Eastern Conference guard votes for the all-star game do you think he deserves to be an all-star starter this season although Washington is struggling a little bit it's a good question yeah um I'm a little shocked to be honest he's he's leading the whole east I mean that that's been pretty incredible to me especially because you know DC generally speaking doesn't have like an amazing uh amazing fan base but uh I think he definitely 100 deserves to be an all-star I mean anytime you lead the league in scoring you there's some talk about, oh, you shouldn't be an all-star because the team's so bad. Mm-hmm. If you're scoring 33 a game or whatever he's averaging, you're automatically an all-star. And um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think you can make an argument for a few guys that, you know, maybe are more uh, complete to, to start. But uh, at the same time, the all-star game is, is about scoring. You know, there's not much defense played in it, as you know. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be fun to watch him, uh, definitely get shots up there and uh you know hopefully light it up uh, from three a little bit yeah i mean last year's all-star game at least in the fourth quarter that got intense they changed the format around a little bit made there actually be something on the line and teams started playing they started playing hard so uh do you think that it'll even translate this year with covid and all of that stuff if people will take it as seriously as they did for example last year yeah, I hope so. I, I I even forgot about that personally until you said mm-hmm. that. But you're right. It was it was a great All Star game at the uh, at the end and what the revisions. I, I honestly haven't even paid close enough attention with all this controversy about even having the All Star game and all the protocols. I mean, I don't even know if they're doing the exact same format this year or what. But if they are, yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's uh, somewhat competitive again. And uh, there definitely was some much needed changes to make uh, you know it not a a glorified globetrotters type pickup game where everybody scores you know 200 points (laughs) yeah like when paul george was just getting mvp for like making eight threes or something like that it's (laughs) it's a lot better of a setting now um i'm curious as to what you've been up to uh this past year coming from nba what what's the shift been like what have you been up to and and also tell the people where they can find you yeah so the past couple seasons i've been uh yeah, doing the media side, like I said, they can find me at Scout with Brian. That's Brian with a Y, but if you type Scout with Brian in on Twitter, YouTube channel, or the podcast, those are the three main ways to find my stuff. But I, I try to just bring a more of a, uh, you know, coach's eye, more in-depth film breakdowns to, you know, some of the narratives and, and stuff that goes around NBA Twitter and all that. Um, so 
yeah, I'm, uh, you know, trying to bring a more experienced background and, and put out stuff that people, you know, maybe can learn something from uh, at Scott Brian. Yeah. So did you by chance start this podcast during the pandemic? Uh, I didn't. No, I started, yeah, probably a little bit earlier, a couple of years ago, maybe, or, or right before the okay. pandemic. Yeah. So were, were you doing like in-person interviews before all this came around? No, I still was doing them uh, over Zoom or Skype or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, probably a lost art now. Did you, yeah. yeah. Did you find it much easier to get people on once the pandemic came along because everybody was down to do like this Zoom Zoom virtual setting interview? Definitely, everybody definitely has nothing but time now. You know, mm-hmm. so it's even uh, like my podcast. That uh, you know, I have. Uh, I think Jamal Crawford's going to come on at one point, you know, a lot few of these guys that are just uh, kind of sitting around waiting to get a shot or even guys that are in the NBA. Yeah. All they do is kind of sit around in the room all day now. Um, so yeah, I would imagine I, I definitely have much more of a chance of, of getting guys like that than I did, you know, when things were, uh, were normal. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I've been looking at the, the podcast industry for some bit now and it seemed to like boom because everybody's getting their voice heard on podcasts if you put it out there. So a lot of people are trying, like Jamal Crawford, for example, out of the NBA, maybe wants a slot with the team. I heard some rumors about that. So he's trying to get his name out there, get himself circulated in the news. Maybe it can help him land on a spot. And, and you know, it, it says a lot about the industry in general. It says a lot that, I mean, you, you transition from the NBA to podcasting and you're finding success getting these guests on for, for you said, years now. So it, it's really cool what you're doing. Make sure to go check him out. Brian Oranger. Uh, Sam, you had a question about Naveen. Yeah, so I think last week, maybe maybe two weeks ago, we talked with uh, another guy that was with the Washington Wizards for quite some time. Uh, he was the director of health, so he was doing it more on the um, like the medical mm-hmm. side of things. Uh, Naveen Hediarachi, do you have any experiences with him or no? Yeah, no, I, I definitely know Naveen. Naveen's great. He's a uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> super interesting guy. Has, has an amazing story, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, he was always the guy that, uh, you know, like celebrities would come to town. Kanye would like come to concerts, and like he would, he would ask for Naveen. You know, he would ask for Naveen to come treat him like pre mm-hmm. pre uh, pre concert. So he's he's kind of like a ghost whisperer type. Somehow, you know, <laughs> he's a super nice guy that everybody randomly knows and and you know he's he's uh, a miracle worker i guess so yeah naveen's great <laughs> yeah we we had the chance to sit down with them and, and we thought the wizards connection by by some miracle by some chance you guys would know each other oh and yeah it was, he was part of the traveling party too for a few years yeah naveen's uh naveen's awesome I'll, I'll definitely uh mention you guys and yeah he's uh <laughs> i think doing his own thing right now he's, yeah. he's all out of, out of the league too i think it, it definitely drained him a little bit all, all the travel and all that also but uh yeah Naveen's one of the best in the business for sure yeah he stepped away after the bubble the bubble was like his going away party and mm-hmm. then he started his own podcast nine to thrive but he, he's been doing um yeah you, you can tell I mean from the one conversation we've had with him he, he's the most genuine guy I've probably met in my entire life um yeah yeah so I mean that that's pretty cool uh we're now making like a, a network of connections in the wizards organization so uh it, it was a pleasure having you on brian oranger make sure to go check him out social media where, where can the people find you one more time 
Uh, yeah, just scout with Brian. Brian with the Y, B R Y A N. Scout awesome. with Brian. Make sure to go check him out. If you did enjoy this episode, please consider following the podcast and consider leaving a rating. This has been Jonathan Silver and Sam Kruchikov, joined by Brian Oranger on Backseat Carpool Banter. See you next time.